everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakthrough Research Podcast delivered by the Industry and Innovation Research Institute at Sheffield Hallam University. My name is Yvonne Armitage and I'm an Innovation Manager at the University. Today I'm joined by Professor Alessandro De Nuvo, who is Professor of Machine Intelligence. So, Alessandro, you're Professor of Machine Intelligence at Sheffield Hallam University in the Department of Computing. That sounds really exciting. Can you maybe give us an insight as to how you came to be at Sheffield Hallam University, you know, what your background is, how you chose this subject? Thank you, Yvonne, uh, for uh, the presentation and for inviting me. Uh, I started uh, learning uh, how machine can learn uh, from uh, my studies uh, when I started in, uh, in Italy, so where I graduated uh, in uh, informatics engineering. Uh, and then I uh, went on, uh, same university, uh, in Catania, Sicily, uh, with a PhD in uh, computational intelligence for design optimization of embedded systems, uh, in which I uh, use uh, artificial intelligence methods uh, to optimize uh, uh, how uh, the uh, computers are designed. Then uh, after that, I started to be interested in robotics and I got a great opportunity to work uh, in a big European project uh, at uh, Plymouth uh, uh, University. Uh, so the project uh, was about uh, robotic services for uh, uh, help all the, all the people to live independently at home. So I, I, I went on, uh, becoming more and more interested in how a uh, machine can learn and, and uh, become intelligent, but also how they can use this intelligence to help uh, the humans and how we can program them to perform uh, services and uh, they can support people that are in need. So then after that, uh, uh, after being a research fellow for four years in this uh, European project, I started to search for a permanent job and, uh, and uh, I was looking for a, a computing department with strong links with a, a robotics lab. So I find out that uh, Sheffield is one of the leading uh, robotics lab in the UK uh, with this uh, Sheffield Robotics, which is uh, a joint uh, uh, laboratory uh, that we have here in Sheffield between the two uh, universities. And uh, yeah, and, and then uh, I applied and I got the, the job and I'm really happy. Uh, I was happy at the time and I'm, more than happy now that uh, I, I was able to do uh, some wonderful thing here in Sheffield Alum, where the department was uh, supporting me and the university in general was supporting me in uh, developing my uh, AI research with applications to robotics and then I quickly became a professor of machine intelligence here. That sounds fantastic, Alessandra. So in terms of, obviously just to explore that a little bit more, so the services that you're teaching the robots or teaching for want of a better word, uh, phrase or helping the machines to learn, what sort of things do they do for the elderly people? And actually maybe tell the listeners, what does a robotics lab look like? You know, I'm imagining it just to be like a, a lab where you do any sort of science, but with lots and lots of human looking robots. Is, is that what it looks like? 
So the robotics lab, we have uh, different uh, spaces uh, and facilities all around uh, Sheffield. So this is part of being uh, Sheffield Robotics. So we have a lab in Sheaf. I think that is the main lab of Sheffield Alam is in Sheaf, where we have plenty of mobile robots. So really small robots with wheels that can go around. Uh, then we have uh, robotic arms that can uh, pick and uh, place items or manipulate uh, being controlled or autonomously. Uh, and then, yes, we have some very nice, cute uh, humanoid robots that are always uh, the uh, attraction of our uh, events. Uh, we have Pepper, which is a humanoid robot uh, that is uh, one and a half meters tall and a sure you have seen uh, this in our uh, presentations. We have small robots uh, uh, called Nows, and, and these are uh, really small and, and they are uh, very uh, well accepted by children. Uh, and then uh, uh, we have other uh, kind of platforms that resemble or not uh, human beings because this is part of the research what is the uh, the best uh, appearance for uh, uh, the service that we want to provide. So for instance, in the project that I was working, we were providing 11, we actually implemented and tested with 100 of uh, potential user, uh, 11 services. Uh, the services range from uh, helping uh, to remind to take medicines or uh, manipulating objects uh, or helping them to do shopping or uh, uh, giving uh, support for uh, walking outside or inside the house and then that all the little things uh, that uh, some focus groups of potential user identifies identified as uh, useful aids to help the people to stay home and, and, and live well without uh, the need of, a, uh, of the caregiver. So uh, it is also a way to empower people and let them uh, live their lives uh, without the need of moving in, in other places like uh, where they, they will be monitored, but also will be restricted in their uh, in their activities. So these small things, uh, they, that could be helpful for everybody actually and uh, and they were very well received by the uh, by the user by the participants to our tests they really liked them and uh, they also suggested uh, improvements that we implemented and, and now we are looking how to uh, move forward and uh, and implement them in, in the real life um sure uh, everybody will like a robot i mean uh, this is something Absolutely. that is always uh, came in, came first in our discussion uh, at the moment we're still working on several uh, at machine intelligence uh, algorithms uh, for instance speech uh, the speech recognition the dialogue management all these things uh, uh, you may have experienced it in uh, uh, alexas or uh, series they are still not quite there in terms of uh, uh, providing the service that we may need but as you uh, you may have if you have experienced them you see that we are making great uh, uh, progress thanks to the research 
At the same time, there are some uh, technical problems that we need to solve uh, to go uh, in people homes, especially in the UK, where the first thing that can always come, uh, uh, the first question is how the robots can climb the stairs, you know, this, <laughs> this, this kind of things. And these are the solutions that we need to uh, implement and make reliable, because it, of course we want this, uh, these robots to be uh, very reliable and, uh, and self-reliant uh, in the sense that they, they will not need um, that much maintenance because otherwise it would be the other way around with the user to, to help the robot to, to perform the services. So uh, they, we will be there. My projection is in, uh, let's say 10 years, we will uh, have robots like we now have a smartphone in our homes. Uh, robots are the embodiment of the artificial intelligence in this case. So we are giving uh, the, the, all the services that artificial intelligence can provide a body they can actually use to interact with the environment and with the humans and perform also the nonverbal uh, communication or manipulate objects and, 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 and move around to uh, support uh, the, the independent living of, uh, of people or providing other kind of services that may be helpful. So at the end, it, it is very exciting uh, working. And uh, if you have a chance, I hope very, very soon when we be able to reopen, I will uh, be happy to uh, invite you in, uh, in our labs and give you a quick uh, tour and an experience of our robots. That, that sounds fantastic, Alessandro. Thank you. And so in, in terms of obviously it does sound quite complicated and, and quite time consuming, I can definitely see the benefits, the advantages of, of robots as service personnel, for one of a better phrase, or service, uh, service equipment. In, in terms of the length of time, then how long does it take to actually train a robot to do fairly simple things, uh, you know, Obviously, the, 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 I mean, that's a, how long is a piece of string type of question, but is it years? Are we talking, you know, 10 years, two years? How long do you, before you, you think we might actually get robots in our homes, for instance? Okay, it, it, it is a complex question and, uh, uh, and I, I'm afraid I, I need to give you a complex answer in the sense there are already robots that are ready to be deployed. I mean, the Roombas, uh, the vacuum cleaners that are yeah. robotics, they are already there and you can use them. And, and I think it will be a process over the next 10 and 20 years uh, to improve uh, the services, improve batteries, improve the reliability of the system, improve the usability and, and, and the ease of use of these uh, services. Uh, as I mean, my parallel is we already been there with the te technology. So computers, we started with big computers uh, that were uh, as large as an entire uh, room and then uh, nowadays we have a smartphone that has uh, a million times uh, the same capability of the first uh, uh, big machine but uh, it, it is tiny and we can use it and again with smartphone it was the same initially they were very limited by the batteries they were very limited by the uh, the hardware but nowadays we can do almost everything just with our smartphone uh, and we don't really need a computer for for many of our of our services so robots will be uh, 
following the same path, which is the usual uh, progress of technology. And then the more they will be adopted, the less will be their cost, and then more people will be can afford them, and, and so on and so forth. So the, my expectation is that the more we will be able to uh, progress, then uh, the more there will be the services and so on. At the moment, uh, we can uh, provide also, uh, in our research, we are looking for uh, pet robots. So I think we have more or less the intelligence uh, required to deploy pet robots uh, at home. And, uh, and we can, but at the same time, these are computers. So they, they can actually use their uh, cameras, their microphones uh, to uh, provide uh, some more monitoring and uh, send an alert, for instance, if there is uh, uh, an emergency through the internet. So it, it, it is a little bit more than, a, than an actual pet that can only you know, just bark or go outside, but they can actually con be connected and provide this kind of services. Could, could also be uh, a gateway uh, to uh, access and, and to monitor uh, some, uh, some, some people that are in need. Uh, or they can be used on the other end of the spectrum with children to help them. Uh, in their activities and, and to support them, uh, for instance, to be more active uh, physically, uh, so, and they don't have the drawbacks of an actual animal. Although uh, I always say, and I would like to repeat uh, for the million <laughs> of time, I, um, in all our research, we are looking for uh, platforms and softwares that, and services that can help and support human being, but they are not going to replace them. So we cannot replace, We, I don't think we can actually replace them, but even uh, it, if it was the case, I don't think this is the goal. Uh, we want to provide assistance, we want to provide better connections, we want to provide better services, but not to replace the humans. They will be part of our life, but not instead of uh, uh, the, the, the other social uh, activities and interactions. That's, I'm sure that's great to hear, Alessandro, because, um, you know, people are fearful, I guess, that robots will replace them. And I really love the idea of pet robots, actually, because I've literally got a cat walking around my desk at the moment. So apologies, dear listeners, if you can hear noises, it's my cat stalking around. So you're obviously very passionate. You obviously really enjoy your work, Alessandro. Um, what's your favorite bit about your research work? And, and on the converse, what's the bits that you don't like doing? Uh, the favorite bit uh, is always playing. Uh, and when you have some breakthrough and you, you, know, you implement something that you have dreamed of uh, for a while, and uh, which, which is a characteristic of working uh, with artificial intelligence and robotics. Uh, so you start with an hypothesis uh, and then you create something that is new, but it is also something uh, often is part of, uh, uh, of the imagery of, of many people of having robotic services, for instance, or robots that can have a conversation with you or something uh, like this. So all, all of these things are really exciting when, the, when you see actually working. The bad part is when you are fighting <laughs> with, with the technology to make it work, but, but it is the, our, our work, of course. And then uh, that's, that, that's the thing. I must say, as an academic, I always uh, uh, have some 
uh, setbacks when I search for funding. Uh, that's that's the main uh, the main thing. But uh, because robotics research and artificial intelligence, they always need uh, a lot of support. Uh, the most advanced platforms are really expensive, so that's that's one of the things we always need support. And of course, I'm really grateful to the university that has supported that, but also grateful to all my funders, external funders that are, are supporting both the robots, but also the uh, wonderful people that are working with me and helping uh, to uh, make all the, all these dreams uh, true. I think that's the thing about research, isn't it? People perhaps don't recognize the fact that it takes a really long time. So things like vaccine discovery, I mean, for the COVID-19, it's been completely expedited, you know, it's been expedited significantly. However, normally these takes tens of years from, from a starting stop and costs a lot of money. And I think people need to sort of recognize this. And there's lots of trials and tribulations along the way. So in terms of sort of looking to the future then, um, what are your ambitions in terms of, you know, where do you see your fields going? Where, where do you see yourself going? I'm quite ambitious, I must say. So um, I see Sheffield led my, among the others by myself as an ab, an international award-leading uh, center for robotics. Uh, we are looking, we are actually planning for creating our own platform and make it available uh, because one, one of the things uh, that we realized it is in, in the UK there are not so many robotic platforms uh, available uh, in, for research first of all but also in the market they're all coming from abroad mm -hmm. so uh, and this is a strategic market and we need to cover and uh, at, at the same time I would like to see uh, all these things all these dreams of robots being able to support people to help them uh, come through and and have them in homes or uh, care homes or uh, other hospitals and help where where the where it is needed so that's uh, that's an that's my ambition this is what i want to i want my research to be uh, applied and and helpful uh, to in, in as many uh, people lives as possible so Alessandro, you just mentioned that we need to have our own robotics platform. Can you just explain for people that might not understand what a robotics platform is, what it is? Thank you for, uh, for the question. Uh, I realized that uh, the uh, robots uh, that we have, uh, I mean, in the common uh, imagery, robots are uh, humanoids but we don't really need them to be uh, like that uh, all the time. For instance, our, our robotic platform is the Roomba. The Roomba is a vacuum cleaner. You just need a couple of wheels and, and the vacuum uh, engine and, and that's it. And, the, and, and this is able to solve a specific service. But then if you want to build on, on this, uh, you want a modular platform that can have as a base uh, a Roomba, but then you can build on this and have a, uh, a body and for instance, arms that can manipulate things and then uh, you, in a service where uh, they will remind you to take the medicine, they can come and with their arms, in one they can have a glass of water and they, in, in the other arm, they can have the box with the pills so that you can actually take it. So 
it depends on, uh, on the services. At the same time, the appearance of the robots is one of the main questions because uh, this is very related to the acceptance. Uh, an ugly robot is probably not being accepted. Uh, cute robots will be very well accepted. But another thing in our research we have found is the uh, expectance uh, of the capabilities of a robot are related to the appearance. So if you see a very tall and strong robot and, and with a lot of uh, 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 functionalities, uh, uh, buttons and things like that, then you expect this to be able to do everything, while you don't expect the same from a pet robot. So a pet robot is a different uh, platform. So a pet robot is still a robot with a mobile platform, but then the appearance is to be like a pet, and then you expect less, which is what we have at the moment in terms of artificial intelligence. So we can have a, an artificial intelligence that be comparable to a pet, not to a human being. So all these things need to be balanced, and, and what I would like to do is to create a, mo a modular platform that can also be uh, adapted to the to the service but also could be adapted to the cost so different modules can uh, be uh, more or less expensive so according to what is the use uh, we can define what is the best uh, robot for that particular use oh, that, that sounds brilliant actually in terms of so basically you're saying it's all the hardware the software all the bits that basically make it a being or an entity but you design it according to what the needs are that sounds incredibly sensible actually thanks uh and, and and the challenge here if i can add something the challenge here is to have uh, a single platform that may be uh, adapted uh, which is something is missing at the moment so you buy something and that's it, you cannot change it. Mm. While if you are providing different services, I'm thinking the care, uh, the, the social care, for instance, you provide different services to different people, so they may have different needs. So that's, uh, the, this is one of the key ones in one of the future, the personalization, not, not only of this service in terms of the programming and the artificial intelligence, but also of the body that this artificial intelligence is using to interact. And uh, this is very well related to uh, the humans because we humans are what we are because of our body. So our intelligence is uh, shaped by the form of our body. My uh, the nice example that I usually give is that we count in base 10 because we have 10 fingers. If we had just two fingers, we were binary like computers. So that's, that's one of the things. Bodies shape the intelligence. So the artificial intelligence cannot be uh, complete if there is a body. It to be complete and, and perform in a specific, uh, uh, for a specific service, we need this, the, 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 the actual body to be uh, adaptable for that service. Thanks, Alessandro. That's definitely helped my understanding and hopefully our listeners too. So in, the, in terms of that sounds very inspirational, um, Alessandro, who inspires you and, and who inspired you in the early days to become a scientist? Or... So um, it, I think it felt like something natural. Uh, during my uh degree studies which is uh master studies let's say uh we were always uh pushed into research projects and one of them was really successful in terms of we got a publication out of it and uh, 
uh, that 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 was one of was my first research project actually although it was on a completely different uh, area of application but still part of uh, artificial intelligence i remember it was about uh, networking and optimizing uh, how uh, the networks can uh, handle our data uh, faster of course so that's this was the first project but then also my dissertation was about artificial intelligence applied to uh, psychological assessment which is something that again uh, it, it made me experience the interdisciplinary research that is beyond all I'm, I'm doing so I'm not one of those that stays in the lab I always try to as I said to apply it and uh, of course my part is the fundamental research in artificial intelligence but then this is uh, driven by uh, real needs that come from different uh, possible uh, user and stakeholders that can suggest what is the so at that time uh, I, I was really interested in seeing how these machines can learn and that's that's so it was part of my uh, training let's say initial training the way of learning and then I had the opportunity to do a PhD and that was the uh, the best thing because then uh, I, I was uh, very well supported uh, was able to travel and go and and meet a lot uh, i mean other academics of course older than me that gave me uh, some uh, interesting uh, insights on how ac academia works and then of course i think that the i mean when i moved to robotics was because one of my mentors which is uh, angelo cangelosi was uh, now professor at uh, the University of Manchester, and we are still collaborating. It's a nice story because we started, he was my line manager and he was a research fellow. Now we are colleagues, uh, we are both professors uh, in the same field and we are uh, working together uh, in different projects. And, uh, and this is very uh, interesting because it's also a way to continue to grow with your mentor, with your, uh, with his help, but I now see that I can help him in other, in, in other applications. So that's that's a kind of a, a, syner a synergistic uh, collaboration that we have, and I really like it. Well, that's great to hear that we are um, collaborating with other universities because it's collaboration is so important, right, in research in order to get it to the marketplace. So just, just a quick question here, really. I think you said that one of your robots is called Pepper. Am I right? So who names the robots? Oh, well, that's a nice question. So the, the robot is pre-programmed to answer to the the, the question uh, mm -hmm. why your name is Pepper uh, because uh, yeah. it is here to spice up your life <laughs> uh, but uh, again it's pre-programming uh, the the names are uh, it, it depends uh, they some are just catchy names they are decided by the companies like for smartphones and things like that so it's not specific uh, but at the end if my dream come come true and you will have your own robot then you can name it like you name your pets or mm. you can name your uh, assistants you can give you your own name so uh, again like alexa alexa has a fixed name but i that one of the thing uh, that we need to implement is a different name for different so you can have your own 
Ivan <laughs> uh, or, or whatever, or Alessandro or Marjorie uh, or whatever is the name that you like, or, or you can just call it a robot so, and then it will reply. So one of the things that they have to learn is, uh, and this is the, the, the frontier research we are doing now in a European project that just started, is personalization. So name, I think it will be the first thing you want to personalize of your, of your robot. So personalization is something that we really need to uh, implement and change because that's, that's how we can address the actual needs of, of people and the users. Definitely sounds like a family member then. So we, we kind of come into the close of our um, podcast for today, but a couple more questions, Alessandro, if we may, just in terms of obviously we've heard about your research and about your passion and you obviously are in terms of, you know, helping robots to learn, for want of a better phrase. Um, what do you do when you're not working? What do you like to do in your free time? Uh, I'm always working. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I like to work, uh, go outside and have... Um, some uh, really long work uh, and Sheffield is a really nice place for doing that. Uh, I usually go back uh, to Sicily to visit my family uh, where again it, it is a really nice place. Uh, so where I come from I think we have almost everything you want uh, for, for, for an holiday. We have the sea, we have the uh, the volcano that we call the mountain, so we can go up and hike. Uh, it, it is very tall, so in this part of the year you can also find the snow and you can uh, enjoy it. So I'm not uh, new to snow, uh, even if I come from the very south of Europe. Uh, so I, I really enjoy doing activity outside, probably to compensate because I, I stay in my lab uh, most of the time, and. Uh, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Does that Sheffield or Sicily? Hmm. <laughs> Glad you chose Sheffield. What can I say? So obviously if people are listening to this and they think this sounds like an interesting field, I'd like to get to know more about it, or I'd like to sort of get into that. If you're a, you know, someone looking to, to study, um, what advice and what tips would you say to someone that's interested in your area, Alessandro? So first of all, uh, from my perspective, so it is a really interdisciplinary field. So anyone from any field could be interested. In fact, uh, we have com uh, strong collaborations with the designers at ESHU uh, with arts uh, and design. So these are one of our main uh, collaborators. So for uh, I I'm also uh, involved as a leader of one of the team in the Advanced Wellbeing Research Center. So you can come from any, uh, we have philosophers that are uh, interested in, in, in uh, uh, law, robot law is probably one of the frontiers. So anyone from any field, this is the first thing, it's not just a techie, a techie uh, what, what was the pronunciation, sorry? Let's make a stop. Techie, 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 tech. tech. Te techie? Technological okay. people. I don't know okay. what. what... Um, yeah, I don't know. What, yeah, technical, even or just um, a technophile, probably someone that really enjoys uh, technology. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll resume. Um, 
So it, it, it is not, not only for people from computer science. Uh, so it's open to every, really open to everybody. So if you want to, uh, there are a lot of opportunities uh, because we realize uh, we really need an interdisciplinarity. So there, uh, there are ways of programming robots that use uh, visual uh, programming languages that are really easy, like to you know generate the, 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 the flow of the actions and then the robot will execute it. So it, it is really easy to approach. And uh, I, I will encourage anybody to, uh, to try if they are interested, of course. And uh, if you want to be serious, then uh, again, it depends on, uh, on your field. You can look for a collaboration, because of course I'm open, but also other labs, we're always very open to interdisciplinary collaboration. So you can, it, 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 because this enriches both parties and, and synergistically they can create something that I will not be able to create. I will not be able to, to do most of the research that I have done if I don't uh, add the uh, opportunity to collaborate some, with some wonderful researchers in psychology and cognitive science and uh, health and well-being in computer engineering and uh, mechanical engineering because of course we are using the robots so that's another field so it, it's very uh, uh, but it's also very demanding in terms of time you need to spend a lot of time manipulating and changing uh, what the robot does and uh, and test it and test it again and see how it works so time is something so you, you need to be patient and uh, and then at the end you will see uh, your dream come true and then they will be happy about that. That sounds fantastic. Thank you, Alessandro. So if you're interested in uh, machine intelligence, in robotics, you need to be collaborative, you need to work across disciplines and you need to put the time in. So that, that sounds, you know, that sounds wonderful. So thank you again, Alessandro. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our Breakthrough podcast. Thank you for joining us, Alessandro. So see you next time when we will have another exciting talk from Sheffield Hallam University. So screens down and tune in. You won't want to miss it. Goodbye.